from Los Angeles. This is the Echelon Radio Network. It's Jerry Hemsworth here on the Echelon Radio Podcast, and today I'm sitting with Heath Goldman. How are you doing, Heath? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Oh, I'm so happy to see you. You've got the greatest smile. Did you? Did, do people tell you that? No, because I don't usually do it because I'm not photogenic. <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ. It's a great smile. You should do it more often. <laughs> Heath is with Icon Wealth and Legacy Partners. Tell us about Icon Wealth and Legacy Partners. So Icon was formed about 15 years ago. At the time, I did have a, another partner, and we were looking to create a degree of difference in the marketplace. When you hear financial planning, you often think wealth management. When you mm, hear wealth management, right. you often think managing of capital assets. Yeah, funds and all of that, yes. Yeah, and at the end of the day, that was not what we wanted to be known for. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be known as a comprehensive, multidisciplined financial planning firm, Right. which is an old-school mm-hmm. philosophy. Nowadays, people are typically disciplined in one of those areas, not overlooking many different areas of which the clients need assistance. That's interesting because you said old school. Why? What was it about old school that was so different than the individual? What did we do back, you know, way back then that, that brought you back to that? When I talk old school, you know, you look at a lot of the 60 plus, what we would consider financial planners, yeah. they were trained differently. They were trained in a multidisciplined approach oh. Oh, to okay. a client situation. Okay. Nowadays, you know, you manage money, you sell insurance, you do tax planning. There's, and I think it's just become that the tax codes become more complicated, Mm -hmm. the laws have become more complicated, Mm -hmm. whatever it's become more complicated. Mm -hmm. So, trying to become not an expert but knowledgeable on each of these areas takes a lot of time and effort, and it took me a lot of time and effort, and it took me multiple firms to finally come to this deliverable gotcha. on behalf of clients. Gotcha. And and you and I have talked um, about when you get into a room and you explain Icon Wealth and Legacy Partners, there gets a confusion. They, they lump you into right away. They're, they immediately think financial planning and all of that. Why do you think that confusion exists? Is it because they don't quite understand or they just they shut off? They don't understand what you do? What is the confusion you encounter? I don't think people understand what financial planning is. If you look at the textbook definition of financial planning, it it really is a multidisciplined approach to the wealth of a client. Mm -hmm. That includes estate planning, succession, asset protection, investment Mm -hmm. management, property and casualty, life insurance, health insurance. I mean, you have to have at least a knowledge base on each of these disciplines, in my opinion, to be really considered a financial planner. But the misconception is, is a financial planner is a wealth manager, investment advisor, Period. somebody who yeah. manages assets, mm-hmm. capital assets, typically, on behalf of the client. And and uh, you and I were in a meeting last night, and, and it became crystal clear to me exactly uh, what Icon Wealth and Legacy Partners is about. And you said, we are architects, meaning you come up with the strategies because you have the knowledge of these different disciplines. So you work with a client, correct, in order to uh, build a, a financial 
stability strategy, if you will, for, for their wealth? So when we work with a client, it is typically the client, the spouse, and then sometimes multiple generations of that family. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you've got a, a family-owned business, you could be looking at grandma and grandpa, mom and dad. Yeah, m- many generations. Generations. And so you can't figure out what one generation is going to do without taking into consideration the other generations. And it's not that you need their input as necessarily. It's that this overall plan takes into consideration all of the wealth, all of the different Mm -hmm. moving pieces. Mm -hmm. And it's important to have the knowledge of all of these people's beliefs and goals Mm -hmm. and objectives so that when the plan does get put together, you can take into those considerations. And you meet with all of them at the same time or over, over a process of time. In a, for a client, if it's a multi-generational family, how does that work? Typically start with patriarch and matriarch, yeah. and uh, they will involve the generations as they see fit. Gotcha. I'm not really concerned about what the other generations really want, mm-hmm. if that's going to differ from patriarch and matriarch. Gotcha. But having that understanding, and there may be a happy medium to determine really what that mm-hmm. ultimate solution really looks like. Right. So you're really creating a roadmap for these clients. It is one way of saying it, absolutely. And that's the that's complication it. of it because there's so many different directions that this sure. roadmap can go. It's yeah. like, well, what about this? What about that? Yeah, that's you have to take those into consideration and you have to be able to see. I tell people, I'd love to have your crystal ball, but sometimes you have to see that crystal ball to have an understanding of what could go wrong so yes. that you could fix that plan today to make sure that those wrongs don't occur. And that's your vast experience has you've seen the wrongs occur. So it gives you um, information that you can then guide your clients. But I think it's also being able to understand not necessarily the wrongs, the different ways that this plan could go. You know, it's the old saying, you come to a fork in the road, which way do you go? Yeah, you can go right or you can go left. The question is, is really what is the direction that right takes you and which is the direction left takes you? And what's that journey look like along that road? The pros and cons of going each direction or just going straight down the middle. Yeah, And and you could be sitting here with two twin brothers or sisters and have the exact same family dynamics. The plan may be very different. And you say, well, they're identical. How can it be different? And something down there, you know, it may be that the grandchild does not want to take over the company and one grandchild may want to take over the company completely changes the direction of the plan. Absolutely. And you've got to be able to change the directions uh, as you go. That, I, I am, I love, I love now understanding everything that you do because now it's, it makes complete sense, complete sense to me. Well, hopefully after everybody else hears <laughs> this, it'll make complete sense to them as well. <laughs> Let's switch gears. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Jerry, I was born in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, which is where my parents were also born. Uh, mm-hmm. The family came to Dayton, Ohio in the late 1800s. Oh, wow. And uh, eventually my parents found their way out to Phoenix, Arizona in mm-hmm. 85. Okay. Grandma and grandpa were snowbirds from mm-hmm. Dayton to Phoenix, as opposed to Dayton to Florida, like everybody else in the family had been. <laughs> they went west, not east. Well, they went west, and I came to find out the story. My dad's oldest brother was stationed in San Diego in the Navy. Oh, so once close. he was done with the Navy, he went to Phoenix. So they wanted to see their grandchildren grow up. Oh. And so they ended up going Dayton to, uh, to Phoenix. And mm-hmm. so eventually my dad's younger brother, then my father, then my 
mom's parents and then my mom's sister eventually everybody ended up in phoenix so you were in phoenix too or did you come straight up to california no i was moved to phoenix in the middle of my freshman year in high school oh that uh, was spent an adjustment it was four years there four years down at the university of arizona and then came out here to go to law school uh back in two, 2003. Where'd you go to law no, school? No, excuse me, 1993. Oh my, where'd you go to law school? Came out here to go to Southwestern. I was uh-huh. exceptionally close with my grandparents. All yeah. four grandparents were still living at the time back in Phoenix and I wanted to stay as close as that I could to them. And uh, Southwestern in LA was the closest. Mm-hmm. Uh, finished first year of law school, realized that that was not the direction I wanted to go with my <laughs> career. Um, but I'd already met my then girlfriend who now has been my wife for 27 years. Oh my gosh. Where'd you go after law school? Where'd you, what did you end up? Before I left law school, I took a job at Smith Barney for the summer to put a little extra cash in my potty, uh, my pocket. That was in, uh, Beverly Hills mm-hmm. and, um, proved myself to one of the senior partners and he brought me on as a junior partner. And mm-hmm. so I did manage money for six and a half years, although that is not uh, a deliverable that we right. provide today. It, it was how I started in this business. So what deliverables does Icon Wealth and Legacy Partners uh, deliver, if, you know, other than the strategy and the roadmap? Two deliverables. Uh, on the right side of the ledger, we do provide life insurance solutions uh, mm-hmm. for those families, uh, whether they own a, a, you know, a real estate company or whether they own, a, you know, what they would call a distributors and manufacturer company. Gotcha. And then on the other side is a, a fee-based financial planning model where we provide 365 days of service mm-hmm. as uh, in a retainer basis. Awesome. Awesome. So you are in California. You're close to your grandparents. And um, you and I were talking uh, at a meeting about your passion, your favorite game as a kid. And what did you tell me? Basketball, and I still play weekly. Weekly. And you started playing basketball when? I think I was four. Four. And did you have a family member that played, or how did you get into basketball at four? I think back in Ohio, it was an indoor sport. So in the wintertime, uh, my parents had found a sport that, that made sense, <laughs> threw me out on the basketball court. Uh, I've always been a pretty tall kid. And, uh, I was going to ask you, were you a tall kid? Yeah, I was always a tall kid. Uh-huh. Um, I stopped growing about, about when I was about 14, though. Oh, my. Um, and how tall are you? I'm 6'3". 6'3". Did you play ball in school? I did not play basketball. I, did, uh, I was on the track team. I did throw shot put at, Arizona, at the University of Arizona. Really? Really? And did you, com- you competed against other universities? How did you do? I was not very good when I got to college. Uh, <laughs> one thing a lot of people don't know, it, game of basketball, game of softball, game of baseball, it's all the same sport when you get sure. to a, just a different level. Yeah. Shot put was a 12-pound shot put in high school. It was a 16-pound shot put when you got to college. Oh. And while you seriously, when you sit here and think about four pounds not being a lot, when it's part of a metal ball that's supposed to travel a, a long distance, it, it's it's a big difference. I, I didn't I didn't equate well to to the college game, although I would have never in my wildest dreams given up my experience uh, of being a college athlete. Oh my gosh, what? How did your weekly basketball game here now come to be? A buddy of mine, actually his parents and my mother-in-law went to the University of Illinois together, and that's how I, I actually met my now wife, uh, Wendy. Uh, he had um, he got married in 
data point. Mm-hmm. And one of the gentlemen who was there, we were sitting by the pool a couple of days before the wedding, and he said he's got a basketball game in Sherman Oaks. And I said, I'd love to come play. And he said, come play. And so that's how the game started for me here in, mm-hmm. uh, in locally and mm-hmm. been playing together for 20-some years. Is it the same set of guys? Lost a few of the older crowd. Uh-huh. Uh, injuries took their toll. And, um, <laughs> you know, we, we filled in with some younger, although, you know, it depends. My oldest is 73 and my youngest is 18. Wow. So now the, the 18-year-old is a, a son of one of the other regulars. Who talks the most smack? I do that pretty well at the court. <laughs> <laughs> and the 18-year-old 18-year-old holds his cool. he, he can hold his, his own, own but he's very quiet. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's very quiet and uh, it's but it's fun. It's a it's a great game and you know we're all out there just to try to get some exercise and just play the game we love still. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned your lovely wife Wendy. Um, you have children? 22-year-old daughter who's in graduate school. She's uh, in chiropractic school. She wants to put athletes back together again. She was a college athlete as well. Does she visit the weekly basketball game? Uh, she's down in Dallas. <laughs> Could use her here, but no, she's down in Dallas. <laughs> Honey, when you out? <laughs> By this Friday, I hope. Yeah, for sure. So uh, she has already been recruited to be the team doctor for the Israel national softball team. You're kidding. Of which she played for a couple seasons when okay. she was done playing college ball. So uh, that's that's what she wants to do. Oh, that's fantastic. And then Riley is 18. He just uh, is getting ready to graduate college, uh, high school, and he'll move on to Emerson uh, College in Boston, and uh-huh. he's going to play volleyball. So you've got these sports minded kids too the whole households wendy my wife was a college rower until she uh, unfortunately blew her back out and then obviously we talked about me already and then riley and sydney so it's um it's it's a fun sports household oh my gosh so growing up when they were teenagers were you guys just shuttling to the different sports and different club events for the kids yeah i'm a passionate softball father but i will tell you this volleyball thing is pretty cool i don't have to worry about sunscreen and i don't have to worry about multiple layers of clothes and changing throughout the day and carrying meals because everything's inside and they've got a you know they've got a snack bar it's uh but it's i I enjoy both sports immensely and wendy has her own business she does pretty infamous business what is her business Wendy started as a commercial real estate underwriter at major financial institutions and one day decided she was going to start a gourmet cookie and brownie company based on her grandmother's, excuse me, great-grandmother's mm-hmm. uh, family recipe. And so here we are a number of years later and just voted Best LA two years in a row. And uh, arguably, we think they're one of the best brownies in the world if, uh, if you are. like a fudgy brownie. Yeah, Bertha May brownies. Uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, how is it that your you operate and run your business and Wendy operates and runs her business? Do you guys compare notes? Do you guys kind of just go along in your own lanes? How is it? Because they're very different businesses. And I'm, and I'm only asking because, as you know, I'm in business with my husband. You guys aren't in business together, but I'm curious how that works in your household. To keep the marriage together, it is best that we stay separate when it comes to those businesses. Uh, I, I do provide some input because I do do a lot of marketing and a lot of networking, and right. that's not her strength. I right. mean, her strength really is being a people person once she gets a chance to meet them. Yeah. She does not go out and yeah. meet a lot of people. Uh-huh. Um, so that's my job. So uh-huh. it's the one thing that I do help her do is, is to meet those people who might be interested in corporate gifts or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. 
or sending a thank you when when necessary, mm-hmm. and um, it seems to have worked. And how does she help you in your business? Very little. Really? Um, yep, yeah, she's got her own business she's running. So she's, my business is is. I mean, while she's a numbers person, it, yeah. it was not it was not her discipline. I mean, right. when I have a client who has a real estate deal they're looking at, she may do mm-hmm. a little bit of underwriting just mm-hmm. as a favor to yeah. the client, uh, just to give a second set of eyes and ears, but it's not what she it does on but a daily day basis. But that's got to be kind of, at least she can speak your language and when you it, can speak hers. When it comes to real estate, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's got to be quite a comfort to both of you. And you can connect that way, but pretty much you stay in each other, in in your own lanes because it, it can it, be it, deadly if you don't. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> well, Heath, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for the time. Presented by Echelon Business Development. More than just networking. Way more.